Here we are then. All the way into episode seven. Mwahahahaha. Is that an evil laugh? Yes, that was an evil laugh. Why do you think that would be? Is that because of the theme of this episode? Yes, the theme of this episode is evil gin. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Sort of. The history section this week is going to be about gin and crime. Mm, now, I was really excited about this episode because you were. I had so many different crimes I wanted to cover that included bootlegging and robbery and undercover dealings and murders. But when I started to write it, I realised that there was so much that we're probably going to have to spread crime over a number of episodes. So I focused in on a couple of specific crimes and they're both murders. So it does get a little bit disturbing this week, yeah. be warned. Um, but it is very interesting and it is very necessary. It is a fascinating uh, story indeed. It is indeed uh, one of my favourite episodes, this one. So what yeah. else is happening in this episode? So we've also gone a bit topical in this episode, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, we're going to introduce... The Tin Gin World Cup Gin. Now, now, should just point out that neither of us really are football fans. So if you're not into football... Yeah, there's not a lot of crossover with gin and footy. No, so if you're not into football, don't worry. It's, we're not going to go off into some kind of football-related hole. Yeah. But if you do like football, this could also be quite interesting to you as well. But it is, yes. It's basically, we've, we've recreated the World Cup atmosphere with... Instead of teams, tin gins. Yeah. So I have teamed up with my very, very good friend. Gavin Webster. Gavin Webster, who is a comic. He's a very funny comic. Very funny comic indeed, a very good friend of mine. He's an actor, a very good actor. Yeah. Who was in uh, the Palm Door winning I, Daniel Blake. Yes. And he's also, uh, he hosts his own podcast, which is, it's almost like the football results. It's called the comedy results. And on a Saturday night, do you remember when you sat in, you used to listen to the pool's results? West Lothian 4, Tottenham Hotspur 5. Yeah, those two will never have met. It's two different leagues. But that is fine. <laughs> Scottish League. Anyway, uh, oh, God. He does that, but with comedy gigs. So if you've had a good gig, you've had a bad gig, you ring him late night on a Saturday and you get involved and you chat to him about how the gig was. And it's basically like, oh, what, what, how was it? 1 0 to the crowd or 2 0 to you or something like that. Fascinating. Now, I'm not a comedian, so I, by rights, shouldn't really find this particularly interesting. But. I love it. It's like you'll get one comic ringing in from a service station in Aberystwyth and then another who's just walked out of the comedy store in London. So it's really interesting and it's really fun. Um, and he is very knowledgeable about football. Yeah, horses is one show about football as well. He does, yeah. It's the football, it's a football show. Football show, because he's a Geordie and he's got a stupid accent. <laughs> Idiot accent. <laughs> um, yeah, so... He is also a whiskey drinker, yeah. isn't he? He's yes, he not is. really a gin fan. Not really a gin. Like, not really a gin fan at all. No, I think he likes a gin, but he'd choose whiskey over it every time. So I, I decided to like kind of convert him, and we got eight tins of gin to enter in the World Cup. It's quarter final time now. Next week we'll cover the semi final. Week after the final, we'll be before the actual World Cup final. Let's see if we've predicted the winner correct because we've given each gin. Its own country. Yes, and the the gins aren't related to the country. No, absolutely not. No. Sort of at random. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to get a little bit of a World Cup atmosphere going, and we also didn't want to tell Gav what he was actually tasting until he tasted it, because we didn't want to uh, colour his opinion. So. What I find really interesting about this is that, firstly, he starts off pretty unimpressed, but as the uh, section goes on, yep. I think we start to convert him. But we'll let you decide that for yourself. What we also do, and uh, what you also do, Matthew, is get him very, very drunk. Yes, because uh, we were in a rush to get this finished, because uh, we were a little bit behind, <laughs> and we had to do this entire World Cup Tin gin in an hour and a half one night. 
Yeah, so this is merely the quarterfinal. Now, by the end of the quarterfinal in this episode, you start to slur on your words a little bit. Um, and this is only the start of it. So yes. next episode and the episode after, we're going to hear the second and third parts of this. And it pretty much descends into, into chaos. We've got a dog running in the room. Playing with a squeaky toy in the background. Toy. He's a lovely little dog, though. He is, isn't he? He's a delightful little fella. A poodle. Little Edward. Yeah. Yes, he's a delight. But... Yeah, very disruptive dog, but we managed to we managed to hold it together. Yes, I think we and, hold it together. And we well. we get the result that uh, perhaps will be the correct result for the World Cup. Yeah, so uh, stay tuned for some football and crime. Gin and crime. Is there a link? Yes. <gasps> what, like bank fraud? No. Um, loitering? Well, there may be, but we're not going to talk about loitering today. Oh no, what we're crime? Going, we're going to talk about murder. Oh, gin, what have you got yourself into? Yeah. And yes, there is of course a link between gin and murder, um, in that a lot of murders have been committed on or involving gin. But the real question is whether there's a causal link between gin and murder. Uh, I th- do you think gin might have just been hanging out with the wrong crowd? Yeah, I think it's got itself a bad rep. But a lot of the propaganda, particularly in the 18th and 19th centuries, focused on death as the ultimate price of excessive gin drinking. And a lot of attention was given to crimes that were associated with gin. Um, you know, at best, overconsumption would leave the drinker vulnerable to becoming a victim of crime, or at worst would transform you into a crazed killer with various shades of battery, lewdness and thievery. Lewdness. Mm, great word. It's both coy and descriptive <laughs> yeah. at the same time. It's like, it's like what everyone in the carry-on team would have gone down for back in the day. <laughs> So today we're going to look at a couple of the most high-profile cases that link gin with murder and let you decide whether gin is really to blame for these heinous acts. And be warned, some of them are upsetting. Yes, it's a dark episode. I've, I've read through some of our notes. It's, uh, if things like that upset you, yeah, then just yeah, strap in. Then, then maybe fast-forward for the next 20 minutes. So... I'm going to give you a quote from 1736 uh, when a London grand jury claimed that most of the murders and robberies lately committed have been laid and concentrated at gin shops. Being fired with these hot spirits, people are prepared to execute the most bold and daring attempts. So... 1736, we know what was happening in 1736. It was the height of the gin craze. Gin craze! Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that the gin craze klaxon? <laughs> yeah, needed one. So let's take you back a couple of years to 1734. Mm-hmm. So London's disease, dirty, racked with crime, which spreads out from the slums in its centre. Now, the word Tyburn would strike fear into the hearts of criminals, as this is where many of them would ultimately meet their... Fate. Oh, the gallows. the gallows. I was, I was wondering why. Just they shouting Tyburn at a, at a, at a criminal. Tyburn. <gasps> ah! Yeah. Um, yeah, Tyburn Gallows was surrounded by fields uh, in the location where Marble Arch meets Edgware Road in today's London. So prisoners would travel in carts from Newgate Prison up through St Giles, which was the big central slum, and then up Oxford Street to what was called the Tyburn Tree, which was this huge, towering, wooden set of gallows that stood deliberately, ominously, in this prominent section of a of a roadway. It's a little warning to the to the naughty ones. It was. It was kind of like those uh, public service announcements. Yeah, that yeah. Get. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was the uh, the eighteenth century version of a of a public service warning. That <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit more, a little bit more extreme. <laughs> yeah, and the executions would be very very public, so you could come and watch them, or if you just happened to be travelling down that road, you might see three criminals swinging from the noose. Ugh. 
And one of the prisoners who made this journey from Newgate to Tyburn on the 8th of March 1734 was Judith Defoe. So as Judith passed by St Giles with its gin shops and desperate drunken residents and shadowy passageways and whatnot, what she didn't know is that a version of her would feature in possibly the most famous visual representation of this slum in existence, which was Hogarth's... Gin Lane? Gin Lane. Was that yeah. her? It was sort of her. So she certainly provided some inspiration behind mm. the central character in Gin Lane. Um, it's a drunken uh, woman with a baby that's falling out of her arms, the ultimate symbol of, you know, the drunken woman failing in her motherly duties, which, as we were about to find out, was Judith's heinous crime. Mm. Judith became the ultimate symbol for Gin's evil influence. Um, she was what was called a throaster, that was her profession. And a throaster is someone who twists, twists silk into yarn. So in uh, Spitalfield, in the east end of London, in the 18th century, it was a kind of a weaver's community, really. So her father had been a weaver and... It sounds like a really tedious job, that. It would have been. And um, think about the lack of lighting that you'd have had yeah. in those houses. If you go to Spitalfield now, um, you'll notice that... Uh, a lot of men don't wear socks. Yeah. A lot of men don't wear socks. Yeah. And people ride uh, unicycles. Fixie bikes. Yeah. Um, it's now Hipsterville. <laughs> but if you have a look up at the rows of terraced houses up there, you'll see that a lot of the attics have glass, very large glass windows in them mm -hmm. and um the the there's a there's a lot of light that is let into those attics and that's because during the daytime the weavers would sit in the top floor of those spitalfield houses and and uh, weave is that right maximum use of daylight yeah as a little aside for you yes excellent aside that's aside number 427 <laughs> yeah. Episode, so. <laughs> yeah sorry about the main point being missed everybody <laughs> but uh, we do like mucking about love an aside so yeah, Judith's profession was weaving silk and she met a chap called John Cullinder. He was also a weaver and together they had an illegitimate daughter who they called Mary. Um, and this is where the story really does turn very sad. So Prepare. Yeah. Um, destitute, drinking heavily, Judith wasn't able to care for the child. So she placed Mary in a workhouse, which was a common option for children. Uh, it was kind of like going into care, but uh, yeah. crueler. Um, and one morning, she turned up at the workhouse with a forged note from the church wardens allowing her to take the child out for, for a few hours. Um, and along with a friend who's only identified as Suki, um, she travelled with the child to Bethnal Green. Now, just a week previously, the superintendent had given Mary new clothes at the workhouse and she was wearing the clothes on this day. And very sadly, this was to be Mary's last outing. She never returned to the workhouse. <sighs> yeah, so Judith turned up for her night shift that evening without the child and her colleagues Susan and Elizabeth asked what had happened and had she taken Mary back to the workhouse. She responded that she had and remained tight-lipped about it until about 1am in the morning when she had her first glass of gin. Immediately wanted another glass. Her colleague refused to give her any more, um, but she begged her colleague for a penny to go and buy a cheese sandwich. Got a feeling that wasn't a cheese sandwich she went to buy. She did not buy a cheese sandwich. She bought more gin. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when uh, there's more gin palaces than Greg's. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Pasties were few and far between back yeah. then. See, I bet, I bet pasties don't get into trouble for being involved with crime. <laughs> this is all Jin's fault. So, when she came back, uh, she'd kind of been emboldened by the gin that she'd consumed and she confessed that she'd done something that deserved Newgate. Mm -hmm. Newgate's the prison, isn't Newgate it? Newgate being the prison. Um, she said she'd left the child in a field and abandoned her. Um, so immediately Susan and Elizabeth, the two colleagues, rushed off out to the field to try and find the child. Um, but when they arrived, very sadly, they found the child dead. Now, one Bethnal Green local named John Wolveridge heard Susan and Elizabeth's cries when they found the child and went out to investigate, and by this time a crowd had started to gather. The parish wardens managed to track Judith down and brought her back to the scene, and 
Wolveridge, this witness, couldn't help but confront her about it. The child had obviously not died of natural causes. There were clear signs that the child had been strangled. And he asked Judith how she could be so barbarous as to, to do this. Judith at first claimed that she'd left the child alive. She didn't know anything about a murder. But at last, in a fit of grief, she did, did admit that she'd killed the child. And she'd been egged on by her friend Suki to commit the crime. It sounds yeah. horrible. Yeah. In her own words, Judy says, And after that, we went together and sold her coat and stay for a shilling. And we parted the money and joined for a quartern of gin. Ugh. So she'd seen the opportunity that this child had been given fresh clothes, sold the clothes. Imagine seeing that as anything other than the Ben's got new clothes. It is really upsetting. And Judith was, uh, following her confession, found guilty of murder and she was sentenced to death. She did plead her belly, which meant that she claimed that she was pregnant in order to avoid the death penalty. But a jury of matrons examined her and concluded that she wasn't. So she did. She was sent to Tyburn where she met her ultimate fate. It is quite a dark story, but it is important to... I think it is important to cover it because... She was ultimately held up for decades and decades to come as a reason not to overindulge in gin. And this is a bit of a source of frustration because it was a really easy way for the powers that be to ignore the fact that social deprivation, the disgusting social conditions that people were exposed to, were leading to crimes of desperation. Oh, it's, it's the same as, same as now. It's just to blame something else, isn't it? Yeah. It's not their problem. It wasn't their fault. It was... Yeah, it was the gin. That, it was gin. The that, gin that, that, was it. It, that was gin. Yeah. It was very easy to pin it on a simple concoction of spirit and juniper when, in fact, there was a vastly complex web of issues that were contributing to crimes such as these and of course the much more common lesser crimes of of theft and and various other things so i think it's a really important story to tell hard as it is to tell it and descendants of the family um who are connected to mary defore Later swore off alcohol, they became teetotalers, they joined the Salvation Army and they cited the gin fueled evils that they'd seen in London as uh, their motivation for doing so. And that kind of story was absolute gold dust for the temperance movement mm. who were pushing for prohibition um, in the UK and they really held DeFore up as an example. And although Hogarth never directly stated that DeFore was the central character in Gin Lane, when the print was unveiled in 1751 people immediately made the connection between the two Mm. so that's the story of Judith DeFore and now we're going to skip over a century later time machine because that's the noise that time machines make yeah (laughs) Uh, and we're going to have a look at another crime more famous still which brought Jin back into the frame once more. But this time, it wasn't the killer, but the victim whose fate was said to be sealed by their gin consumption. Uh-oh. Who's this now? So, on September the 30th, 1888... Saucy Jack! Yes, the year is the clue. Uh, a prostitute named Catherine Eddowes got so drunk that she ended up running up and down the street in between the horse carriages. Sounds like... Uh, sounds like... Well, we are here in Leeds. On the Otley Mile. The students just run up and after they've uh, had five drinks of gin. Yeah, if that. I suspect Catherine Eddowes could hold a lot more. Yes, I suspect. <laughs> so she ended up collapsing in the gutter. The police found her and took her to Bishopsgate Police Station where they held her until she was deemed sober enough to leave. And that was at around one in the morning. She was signed out of the police station. She gave a false name. Interestingly, the name she gave was Mary Kelly, who was obviously a friend of hers and would also later fall victim to Jack the Ripper. In fact, Mary Kelly was Jack the Ripper's last ever victim and was brutalised in perhaps the most extreme way out of all the victims. But when Catherine Eddowes left, she, instead of turning right to walk home to her lodgings, she made the fateful decision to turn left 
back to Oldgate where she'd been picked up where she presumably intended to carry on drinking and perhaps to earn a little more money. So this decision would cost her her life at the hands of Jack the Ripper and she was found shortly after dead and mutilated with a, a kidney missing in fact. Ugh. Yeah. Weird old uh, kiss that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and another of Jack the Ripper's victims, Elizabeth Stride, who was also known as Long Liz because she was she was very tall. She'd been drinking gin all evening the night that she was murdered by the same killer. And the press were very quick to point out that drinking gin and getting up to these antics in the gin shops and, and taverns of East London was a dangerous little game that could lead to your downfall. So... This really added to the hysteria and on 16th of October 1888 a very strange parcel arrived addressed to the chairman of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee who were trying to catch Jack the Ripper. Now inside there was a letter uh, that was supposedly written by Jack the Ripper. It was addressed from hell mm. and it contained... It's what the film's called, isn't it? It, it is from what hell. the film's called. Starring jean Wari Depipus. Yeah, um, and that's all about Mary Kelly. And in that yeah. film it's imagined that Mary Kelly survives in the end, mm. which gives it a bit of a, a sad mm. edge, really. So in the letter there was also half a human kidney. Mm. And Jack the Ripper claimed to have eaten the other half of the kidney. The rest of it was soaked in gin. Mm. It had been preserved in gin, aptly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how many of my organs are going at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was also thought on inspection to come from somebody suffering from Bright's disease, which was a illness that was known to to result from gin drinking. So it was named the Ginny Kidney. Clever. Yeah. I've been a while and I think that one then. Yeah. Right, it's gin, it's a kidney. Yeah. <sighs> Ginny Kidney, let's go on. <laughs> well, I'll do, I'll do. And of course people thought that it had come from Catherine Eddowes. Not only because she was missing a kidney when she was found, but also because she was a heavy drinker. Mm. And of course, this played nicely into the hands of the press, who could tie together these hard-drinking, hard-living women uh, with this gruesome, horrible tale of half a kidney turning up that belonged to such a, a gin drinker. Now, later, it was pretty much decided that this was probably a prank. It was probably not the same kidney that was taken from Catherine Eddowes. Firstly, so many people were suffering from Bright's disease at the time. Spirit drinking was rife, Bright's disease was rife, and other factors indicated that this probably wasn't sent by the real Jack the Ripper. Obviously not much of a prank as well, was it? Not very funny. No, it's not. Not very funny, Prank, yeah. maybe jumping out of a box, or but send a human organ. Even just send the letter. Yeah, you know. even sending the letter. I mean, look at the Yorkshire River. Yeah, the hoaxer. The he's he's just been done recently, not that many years ago. What, the hoaxer. Yeah, the hoaxer. Really? Yeah, he got done not so long back. I mean, good. Wasting oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it said uh, not only wasting time. He, he, there was two people killed in the meantime. Yeah, tension seeking and horrible. And it was thought that this was probably a medical student who'd played this crime because they would have had easy access to a kidney. So. Are we then to assume that gin drinking was indeed the catalyst to murder, whether that was leaving you vulnerable to becoming to falling victim or rendered you a child-killing maniac suddenly? I'm, I'm going to say no. You leave gin alone. I think it's a massive oversimplification. Of and, course. And... One counter-argument from the time of the Jack the Ripper crimes was from sociologist Charles Booth, and he raised the very unfashionable point that poorer people were vulnerable due to their social disadvantage, not because of their drinking habits. And of course they were going to drink gin in order to gain, A, some kind of oblivion and escape from their mm -hmm. situation, but also in order to take in some cheap calories. Mm -hmm. People couldn't afford to eat, and, and gin was a fast way to get calories into your system. Um, as we've talked about, gin was probably being sweetened around this time. It would have been... Licorice, I believe, because we thought it was sugar, and then we got talking to Luke 
from Poetic Licence who said the sugar was that expensive then, they'd be basically... Yeah, you'd have made an instant loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was probably things like licorice and possibly uh, honey as well. Yeah. Um, so yes, thanks for that nugget, Luke. That's very useful. And going back to the Judith DeFore case, you know, can we blame Jin for the death of poor Mary? Again, I think we need to look at the wider factors. Judith was, according to her own mother, never in her right mind, always Uh, roving. She'd grown up in extreme poverty. Nobody understood mental illness then. No. And, you know, obviously... Poverty, you know, you can be poor and you can be mentally unwell without becoming, without becoming a, a murderer. murderer. Course, yes. However, the, the multiple factors in this woman's life all came together to create a dangerous combination. I mean, um, she had no education. She fell into bad company. Yes, she turned to alcohol. Uh, she lost two children who died of natural causes previously. So... Not a smooth run-in. No. Not a smooth run-in at all. No, and that's absolutely no excuse for what oh, you yeah, did. Yeah. Well, uh, can, we, can we just verify there that we don't believe murder is right under any circumstances? <laughs> no. but to hold Jin up as the sole yeah. uh, or main cause of that, I think, you know... There's a lot more to it than just blaming poor old bloody Jin, that's mm, what I'll say. Yeah. She'd have also been exposed to a lot of violence around her. So she'd have grown up in a in a community where where life was cheap. Murder happened. You could easily go to off to the gallows for. Uh, for I know. We, we might pop Netflix on. They get. Shall we watch a hanging? Yeah. Uh, who's on? Uh, at least I've never seen it before. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, what people would watch hangings as entertainment. Yeah. So there's a really interesting academic article here called Gin Much Ado About What by someone called Ernest L. Abel. And he argues that gin was a small factor in this wider web of social factors that led to crime in the 18th century and at the height of the gin craze. So he points out that while the crime rate did rise during the second quarter of the 18th century, it had been steadily growing already since the previous century before the gin craze started. And not only that, but the increase in crime was absolutely to be expected given the increase in population and overcrowding. So When these factors are taken into account, the crime rate actually remained relatively stable during the first half of the 18th century. And he said it actually rose during the second half of the 18th century when the gin craze was said to be over. So people were ignoring some really key factors here. Um, In addition, most of the crimes that led to hangings were against property rather than being murders. So there were fewer than 100 murders in London between 1749 and 1771. Now, if you compare this to a city like Rome, um, in the same period in Rome, there were 4,000 murders. So Wine. Yeah. I blame and, wine. Yeah. Not gin. Exactly. It's wi- wine's the worst. Yeah, and Rome is a quarter of the size of London. Pff, there you go. Wise. Wine's evil. Fact. Yeah. Gin fact. Gin fact, yeah. Imagine what was happening in Russia with all that vodka. <laughs> oh, Shudder to think. Terrible things. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Nobody ever associates wine with crime. I mean, obviously, people associate alcohol in general, but there's never been an outcry about wine drinking. And in fact, in Beer Street, which was Hogarth's uh, counterpart drawing to Gin Lane that he released around the same time as Gin Lane, that shows people drinking beer, they're happy, they're having a laugh, the shops are booming, the the streets are tidy, the buildings are well kept. So it was almost like saying, don't drink gin, drink beer. So Perhaps it was all just a beer marketing ploy? In a way, it, it, it was, it absolutely was. People didn't really pick on alcohol as a whole people really picked on gin and yeah you can see that there's there's a reason for that because gin was cheaper and it was mm-hmm. a lot stronger but like you say there was no gin craze in rome wine fact wine fact evil wine yeah so abel argues that the perception that gin, the gin epidemic was responsible for an increase in crime and you know murder was due to the way in which the literate public was made aware of it through the influence of the popular press. He goes on to say that also the social unrest of the mob, which was equated with crime and lawlessness, was due to sharply rising food costs throughout the 18th century. So like I said earlier, families were facing starvation. Nothing changes. The blame's shifting everywhere except where the government's uh, 
what the government's doing now and there's other stuff getting the blame now. It's not gin, obviously. We always need to find a, a, a simple enemy yeah. to pick, um, which means that we don't have to examine in more depth the complex yeah. social policies that we're all involved in. And poor old bloody gin got it and in the poor neck. poor old bloody gin got it in the neck. Well, we love you, gin. Yeah. We love you lots. We love you, we love you lots. We'll and... never let it happen again. <laughs> we're right there with you. All the way through your tumultuous past. Yeah. And there were so many more examples of supposedly gin-induced crying that I wanted to bring into this episode. But sadly, there's not enough time to cover them all. We might look at it again in a future episode because there's, there's so much to talk about. But I just think these two cases are really interesting in the way they portray criminality and victimhood and uh, link them so tidily to gin. Um, but I think we've debunked it. Yes. Tell you what, let's definitely do another crime and gin episode. All right. Yes. Yes. Done. Right, well, here we are for the quarterfinals of the Tin Gin World Cup. I'm here with Gavin Webster. Hello. My football-loving comedian friend. Oh, yes. There's nothing I don't know. <laughs> but he, but he, like, he likes Newcastle and I'm from Sutherland, so oh, there's, a, there's a bit of, no, there's a bit a of bit trouble. Tension going on there, yes. There's not. I couldn't, couldn't give a, yeah, couldn't give a toss. Sort of, I'm like a reasonable bloke and all that. Yeah, it's, exactly. I mean, it's just childish. Yes, yeah, just childish. Yeah. Right, now, yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to do quarterfinals. Two gins against each other. The gins will represent countries that are in the world. We're not allowed to see the gins. No, no, these gins are hidden from you. You can't be influenced. The label uh, to, the... to somebody like me who, who, who uh, this is probably sacrilege to say that. I think gins will taste the same. Yes, that is sacrilege. Yes. Okay. okay, you're a whiskey fan, aren't you? Can't no, but I'm, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate though. You yeah. know what it's like in our job. You know, you've yeah, got to yeah. you've got to get the diametric side point of view. Yes, I am a whiskey fan. Yeah, yeah. A whiskey fan. Uh, <laughs> whiskey's all well and good. As long as it's not vodka. Oh, so, I can't tell from the opening of the nope. um, ring pulls. Yeah, just a little bit of each one. Now, right. what we're going to do is, the first one you've got in your hand, that's England. This is England. England's yeah. playing Argentina first. Imagine oh, that in the quarterfinals. In the quarterfinals, that's a tough one. The to quarterfinals. To, um, to negotiate. So England, oh, a bit of history there. Have a sniff of that. Tell us what you're getting there. I'm getting, uh, I don't know, just kind of a... Kind of a uh, Pear, sort of. Oh, pear, there you go. There's a bit of licorice in there, a bit of angelica. Is that? Can't yeah. get that, but I'm getting the pear, I think. No. You have a taste? Yeah, definitely have a taste. Can I t- take the lot or just Yeah, you t- you, I mean, you can down it if you want. Oh. England's strategy in it. Oh. <laughs> Route one. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In your face for the first hour. How's that going? Oh, yes, I'm definitely getting more of a taste of, um, there may be a cranberry feel about that, is that? No, there's no, cr- there's no cranberry. Wait, I'll tell you what, what you had there was... England is being represented by the Marks and Spencers gin. Oh, that's it. So um, let's, have, let's, have a, let's have a taste of that yourself. You're going straight from the tin. Does that make a difference? Oh, it's a citrusy one, isn't it? Yeah, I think the, the, I think out of the tins, it definitely takes a little, uh, quite a bit away from it. But that's, is, it is it dry? That's a dry is, it, is that classed as a dry one? It's a dry gin, this one, yeah. Try, try this one. Now, this is Argentina coming into the, onto the field. Right, okay, so I'm trying to get this. Well, that taste out my head out. Should I sniff first? Yeah, have a sniff. Get in there, Zin. Oh, that's that. That seems to be more neutral, if you know what I mean. Yep. I'm, not, I'm not getting anything specific from it's that one. Now, I wouldn't say chemically, but it's not. I'm not getting fruit from it. Yeah. Shall I taste this one then? Yeah. Have, have, a, have a little, little gun of that. I'm finding that one more subtle. Yeah, it's a good old, uh, it's a good old taste. It's subtler, Le- less flavour or more subtle. I would say more subtle because I'm still getting a nice flavour from it. Still a nice flavour. Yeah, I still think it is, and but it's more. Evened out with the taste, whereas I was getting strong fruits from the other one. Yeah, strong fruits from the England, and mm-hmm. uh, there's an equilibrium to the Argentinian team. Yeah, it's a, it's a much more well balanced side, you see. Oh, I mean, there's well not one individual ca- ca- carrying on its Could England out. be taken out in the first quarter final? Well, I have to say, I like the Argentina better, like. The Argentina wins? Yeah. It's 1 0 Argent and England are out in the quarterfinals. Oh, well, I mean, that never happens. <laughs> Getting there would have been enough, you know. Argentina is Asda gin. That's Asda. That's an Asda supplied gin. Of all, and of all the supermarkets. I tell you what, I would have given it a yellow card myself because uh, it's, it's got on the edge there. It's got one of the most obvious serving suggestions for anything ever. 
What does that say? Gin and tonic served with a wedge of lime. And a wedge of lime as well. I hadn't thought of that. A slice of lime or or a wedge. As if that's a servant suggestion, like no one might have thought of it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like put some salt on it. With lime? (laughs) (laughs) Chips, why not try salt and vinegar? Uh, so Argentina one nil. Wouldn't be on penalties, would it? Ah oh, no, well England, well, England would have choked easy off for that, wouldn't they? Yeah, that's uh, classic England. England. I mean, I don't even. I'm not even one for the the old footy, but uh, <laughs> I know about the penalties. You do. You're mm. you're quite a half decent footballer as well, and yet you yet you always like. Um, I think uh, it was trying to impress girls. You know, I'm not interested. You, you must have got them skills yeah. from somewhere. I love playing it. Yeah, playing's great. Like yeah, yeah. Five sides always been my favorite. One of my favorite things in the world. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like I used to play it uh, back in the day, but like uh, back in the day, check me out. But yes. they would get oh come come to Gateshead. I'm like oh come that fifteen quid taxi ride. Right? Yeah. There and back. <laughs> I remember doing that. And they were like it's only, it's only five quid. I'm, it's not like <laughs> yeah, and t- half your day took up. Yeah. So. Uh, the first quarter final finishes with England an early exit. Yeah. Argentina through. Well, I know, I know you're the gin expert, but what, did you did you make that one? It's a good it's a good uh, entry level gin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, my, my late mother once said this is a great line. She said like I don't know whether she, it was hers or not. She said like the saxophone is appreciated by people who who aren't musicians. You know because yeah. they go oh I love it the way they go. Whereas I think musicians go. Oh, it's a bit crass, oh, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But like, it is, like, non-musicians that you're saxophones. So basically, this is, uh, the, as the gin and tonics, the saxophone this is the, the gin saxophone world. saxophone the gin world, yeah, exactly. So there's a little bit well, of lovely, a... Lovely, lovely after-match uh, chat to Gav there. <laughs> and that was quarter-final number one. It's the second quarter final of the Tingin World Cup. Now tensions are high. England out the cup. Mm. Argentina through. It was expected to a degree. Yeah, I feel I feel quite chipper now because yeah. I've got a bit of gin. So yeah, uh, there you go. MS gin fails to as the gin. That might yeah. surprise a few, but uh, yeah, well, maybe it's just my palate. You know, it might, it might be your palate, but do you know what? You're the one that just judging it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the one that's judging it. <laughs> it's all. It's all. It's off to a good start now. It's Brazil versus Portugal. So it's Brazil mm-hmm. first. And that's, a, that's an old Portuguese-speaking game, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, they'll, oh, they'll be able to converse and everything. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. the English people just shout louder at them. That's right. Kick <laughs> the ball. Correct. Right. Now, this is... This will be Brazil. And this yeah. is your Portugal. Right, so I'll have, I'll have a smell of the have Brazil. A, have a s- smell of Brazil. So they're out on the pitch. That's nice and fresh, very fresh that one. In, getting in deep with the freshness there, coming around the back. Uh-huh. Oh, I like that. Oh, it's a big favourite. Brazil doing well. Very green, very limey. Mm. You know what I mean? Got a citrusy spring to it, has it? Yeah, yeah, but, a, but specifically lime, I think, you know? And I like that a lot. Let's have a, let's have a, let's have a while. Yeah, I'm getting there, getting that. The alcohol's at the back of that light as well. Right, right. Let's have a taste. Oh, that, it feels like there's more than a double in that one. I know what you mean. It's got it's got a stronger aftertaste, but that's that's a good gin. That's a good, that's a bold old gin. That one. Oh, Brazil, Brazil coming in hard and strong. Yeah, yeah, Traditional. Yeah. Portugal's got the ball now. Let's see, let's see what they can do with that. Again, that's this is more seems to be more of a neutral smell. I'm with you on that. I've just tipped it into my beard. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I feel like I'm just tasting a gin here now. There's nothing yeah, special nothing, about nothing, it. Yeah, nothing leaping out at it. Mm. Not really, and that and drink gin, I like it, but I'm not. There's nothing. It's all right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 slightly floral, but nothing spectacular. Yeah, and and, and it and, and I like, it's it is subtle. There's nothing horrible. Yeah, um, there's no thug. It's not like coriander in, yeah, the, yeah. in the food dish. It's not like nothing. Yeah, it's not like too spiced, over spiced. It's just yeah, it's just no, no, no something. Yeah, yeah, it's just going below, dipping below that middle level. It's just yeah, um, but it's okay. But I have to say, the Brazil was far better. Okay, we'll reveal the Brazil was the Aldi gin. It was Aldi. It was Aldi gin. <laughs> but Aldi gin is. It, it's nothing to be sniffed at. I mean, is it not? No, it's won awards. Has uh, it? Ah, it's a, we, we use Aldi Gin for all our infusions. Really? Because it's a 
you don't want this, you don't want really really terrible gin to start the infusions. Mm-hmm. You want good solid gin, and it's mm-hmm. cheap, and it's Whoa. really good. And Portugal, mm-hmm. good old Gordon's. That was Gordon's, was good it? Good old Gordon's. Yep. So Whoa. Gordon's is out. Portugal lose mm. to Brazil. Am I, would, I, would that be about right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brazil probably would edge out Portugal. I mean, both good nations, but I think Brazil would. Um, <laughs> it just ain't a World Cup without when Brazil's out. Yeah. So Gordon's is down and out. Goodbye, Portugal. Sorry to our Portuguese listener. Carlos <laughs> <laughs> of Lisbon. Now, so well, Brazil are through in the second quarter final. It's a thrilling one. So we've got Argentina and Brazil. Goodness me. Oh. What is going to happen next? Well, that... Here we are, quarterfinal three. Mm, Who can enough. predict what's going to happen? Because Which countries you got here? Germany and France. Oh, those old friends. Yeah. <laughs> Germany and France. Oh, They've got a lot the of poli- history. The, oh, history, politics. Now... The gins are open, they're stepping onto the pitch. Going to tip Germany out first. Mm-hmm. Sort of arrogance between both nations there. Yeah. So it's a bit of Germany first, is it? Yeah, a bit of Germany first. Okay, let's have, let's, let's let's have that. Germany step out the pitch. Yeah. And it's kicked oh, off. Oh, what a lovely smell that is. Oh, that is. You can smell the, uh, you can yeah. smell the botanicals. The, the herbs, it's herby, mm-hmm. this one. Yeah. Oh. yeah you're right, yeah, it's, it's got a garden feel about it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It hit me straight away, that. I like that. There's a rosemary. I can get rosemary in there. Again, fresh and lovely smell. So, that, yeah, yeah, I'm getting le- um, leaves of flowers, like, sort of, yeah. thing, like, like rose petal type of things. Like a gin with a bit of foliage. Of course. As long as it's on privet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bit of fern. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's have a taste of this. Mm. Well, that's good. I'm getting, like, a redness out of that rather than mm-hmm. a greenness. If you, do you know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Mm. It's like subtly done as well, as but not bland. Mm. That's um, the aftertaste. That's a lot better, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I feel like we've gone up a notch now. Ah. Really do. Right, that was Germany. I like that. That's going to be hard to beat. Germany's going to be hard to beat. Well, let's try France. This is France, is it? Well, yeah. now is, is it? France in? Oh, vive la France! Oh, oh, I got, I got, I've got a sort of gingery taste smell there. Yeah, something much more. Um, Savory and rustic, more. Yeah, yeah something like oh, ginger or something. That's lovely, that isn't it? That's, yeah, that's different. See, G- isn't it? Germany's put in a good performance, but France is coming back. God, I've never had that. For, it's like cinnamon. Let's have a go. There's orange in there as well. Would you say that? But it tastes cook? like tastes like old orange. It'll taste like uh, dry, dry. It tastes like looking at potpourri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you need to look at potpourri. It tastes yeah. like looking at potpourri. Yeah. That's possibly the wankiest thing I ever yeah, ever said. Almost, it, it could be wanky, but it could be a bloke sitting outside um, Sainsbury's with his drunken pals. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like looking at potpourri. That's just saying that's like looking at cider. <laughs> I've never had this experience drinking gin with that. I've never tasted back anything on gin. The, the other ones before were more typical gins. Yeah. Well, could this win the day for France after Germany puts in a great shout? Do you know it's a shame to have to pick a winner out of these two? Because uh, I think they've gone to a different level from the last yeah. one. You know, I think it would be a shame. Do you want to try a bit more Germany? No, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I like the France. I, I, I feel like I couldn't drink it all night. Like. What's that? The French stuff. The French. I feel like one of them ones where you go, oh, I like that, but I'll go back to. Ah, I know what you mean. It's. it's um, it's it's got a flavour that could uh, spoil with over. Yeah, yeah. A flavour that could spoil with overuse. Yeah, I think so. And you would become very immune to it. Yeah, then I find that, that with I find that with the liqueurs, the gin liqueurs. Right. Like that um, Edinburgh gin's got a beautiful uh, elderflower liqueur mm-hmm. gin. By the end of the night, it's it's like you've been eating bags of Haribo. So that's why I like a good, clean, crisp tonic here. Yeah, well, I mean, gin tonic. Yeah, well, we allowed to talk about whiskey on here. Yes, of course. <laughs> Don't know what um, you think you're coming on here with your whiskey talk. <laughs> well, I mean, I always find that with very strong, peaty, malty whiskeys. Mm-hmm. You can say, oh, I love that. So, yeah, Lagerlouf and Vulin and, and Lafrague and that. And I think 
You try drinking that all night, it'd be horrible. Yeah. You're much better with a, with a, 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 a blended scotch with ice. Yeah. I always feel it's a bit like... That one, yeah. like, seems the to be... The heavily like, botanical one. Yeah, that, that seems to be, like, very light, like a strong malt. You go, yeah. I, like, I like it for a bit, but I couldn't yeah. drink it all night. Yeah. Uh, just a little size. So don't drink anything all night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, let's have another little try of Germany. Oh, it is fresh, that mind, isn't it? It is fresh. Do you know what? I'm... I'm uh, oh, Ooh, France. We thought France was going to take it, but has Germany brought it back? It's, nip and the tuck. it's, a, bit, it's a bit like two's each. This yeah, isn't yeah. one team's taking the lead and swaps. Rather like the France Germany semi final in 1982. I'll tell you what I'm going to do for penalties. Do you want to go to penalties? I'll have to go to penalties. Right, I'll tell you what, I'll, do, I'll, 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 swap, the, uh, I'll swap them up and I'll tell you which one's taking the penalties. And the one you decide. No, okay. God, I mean, God, it's, it's 1982 all over Schumacher's just laid out the <laughs> stone and doing those spinal damage. It's penalties in the third quarter final. Who would have thought it? Quick drink. And the next glass? One or two? God, I hate to pick a winner, but it's going to be two. It's two. And Germany goes through. But hey, what a, what a lovely gin that French one was. The French one is Adnams from Southwold Copperhouse Dry Gin. So is that copper that I'm getting? Uh, that's, something yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's the, the, the type of stills you use. That's uh, 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 There's Cascades gins. Oh, right. So, so uh, where's Adnams based then? Adams is from, uh, I believe, it's from Suffolk, Suffolk, down in Suffolk. Yeah, yeah, Suffolk. Yeah. So, like, it, it's a shame to see it go out of the competition. Is, but, but I don't think we'll, we'll see the last of it. No, no, no. I mean, next year, perhaps, it'll, it'll, it'll come back stronger. It'll come back be, stronger. always be next year for something as good as that. And what, and what about Germany? What was that then? Germany was a delicious Edinburgh gin. Edinburgh Classic gin, Edinburgh right. gin. Beautiful oh, stuff. I'll remember that. Do you, uh, do you remember we did uh, that charity gig with uh, Deliso Chaponda? Yeah, I do. Indeed. And, yeah, and they gave us, uh, they gave me the Edinburgh gin, the seaside gin. All oh, right, different one to that. Yeah, yeah, and we we, right, we, yeah. we drank that for most of the night. Uh, mm. Just another thing: don't drink anything for most of the night. Uh, <laughs> but we enjoyed that all day. So it's it's France is gone. France is out, and Germany. March on. Germany, <laughs> yes, could, could Germany get the World Cup? We, I'm actually using this to see who wins the World Cup. I'm going to put money well, on whoever wins. Like, it looks like a conceivable semi final. Argentina, Argentina, Brazil, Germany, and the next quarter final is Belgium v Russia. Now let's uh, let's get ready for that one. It's the final quarter final. Belgium versus Russia. Now, here we go. Belgium and Russia, the host nation. Oh, the smell from that was already. Mm. Now I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give Belgium a bloody yellow card already because it's not mixed with tonic. Oh, what's that coming out? It's it. pink because pink, it's yeah. mixed with pink grapefruit. Is that like a pink gin? No. No, no, it's not. It's just the it's the pink. What is, what is a pink gin? A lot of pink gins are just mixed with uh, like red berries. Is that is that what it is? Yes. Uh, like I the... can tell you a funny football story about pink gin. Come on, then. Because you might you might have heard of somewhere called the Anfield Boot Room, which was the Anfield Liverpool's ground. Yeah. It was the boot room where they would discuss football, and they had their new ideas how Liverpool became a great force over the years. And the people in the Anfield Boot Room was Bill Shankly, Bob Paisley. Joey Fagan and Ronnie Moran, they were the well-known ones. And people got invited in there, managers of football clubs around the world, to discuss tactics with them. They invited them in. There was always a beer on the go. Mm -hmm. A beer or a whiskey or something like that. But Elton John, who loves his football, he's chairman of Watford, him and Graham Taylor came in because Graham Taylor was manager of Watford and they asked Elton John what he wanted to drink. He said he'd have a pink gin and they told him to fuck off, he's having a pint. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, football. <laughs> oh, you You've got to love it, haven't you? It just goes to show how uh, how much uh, football and gin mix. <laughs> <laughs> well, the pink gin, this time, it's, the reason it's pink, it's a uh, pink grapefruit. Now, pink if you grapefruit. smell it, that's pretty much all you're going to get. Oh, it's so grapefruity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a lovely welcome change from everything else. Yeah. Okay. Oh, bye, that's good. Oh, do you know that was like I felt felt dirty. That was yeah, lovely. Just like, to get a lovely yeah. bit of when you when you're trying to taste these. It's not it. trying to be anything. It's not. Is yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's this is more or less pop. It is. Yeah. <laughs> this is pop. This is pop. That's a that's a hit, isn't it? Yeah. By, um, from the seventies. From uh, no, it's XTC. This is pop. 
this that's lovely that. But it, but I see I see that in a lovely thing in the way of like fish and chips or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know I mean? it's, it's you not, think where, where you try you, you think duck on the wrong side. Yeah, quite some chips on this I, side. I, can we just get the chippy? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that though. I do oh, like that. There's a dog on the pitch. Dog <laughs> on the pitch. I think it's all over. Dog on the pitch. Nobody's chasing it. It's not a Jack Russell. It's a poodle. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got a poodle in the vicinity. Right, poodle, come in to see her. Hello, son. You're right. So Belgium tea. could surprise people with its pink grapefruit gin. Yeah, okay. it is what it is. Well, the host nation chance now. Have a little bit oh, of that. Well, well, hey, that's got a taste of like um, <sighs> stuff, of hemp, illegal stuff in this country. Mm. Oh, I like that. This is it. That's interesting. A lovely warm taste, that. And I'm going to taste it now. That was a smell. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lovely warm taste through your nose, guys. Yeah, well, you know it. Um... You Geordies. <laughs> I like that. Mm. Oh. Oh, that's surprisingly good. That is lovely, isn't it? I thought that would have been a bit rubbishy, but that's bloody good, that. Yeah. Oh, tell you what's strong as well. Feel that one go down. Oh, oh, there's all kinds of herbs coming through oh, there. Man, that's that. A couple of these ones have converted me over. Yeah. I mean, your your book standardy ones, you just go well, whatever. But that's really nice. Better than whiskey. Just say it is. Whatever. It is, isn't it? No. <laughs> but uh, but it's uh, oh. I do like gin. But that's 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 really interesting. Do you another bang on them? I'd like a bang on both of them actually. Yeah. I think I know what the winner is. But having said that, God, I'm, I'm enjoying a bit of. Pink and I'll tell all your lads at the footy. It's got a lovely smell as well. The pink grapefruit's for refreshing, isn't it? It is nice. Match that with over ice, just in it's a summery drink. That one, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's got a lovely smell. But like, but it's surprisingly good in the concern. Like, yeah, like this is basically like ready meals in the gin world, or like in the drinks world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like ready meals where you'd get like a frozen lasagna. Yeah, I know what you mean because it's got the tonic already in. Yeah, yeah. but these are surprisingly good. Yeah, I agree. This uh, this one, Russia, like so Belgium. What 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 are you gonna give it? You... Well, it's close. Yeah, but the Russian one. Oh, it's the, the smell sm- of that. Man. The smell, that's beautiful, isn't it? I can't put my finger on what it is. The smell, but oh, that's so nice. Right, come on, Russia, throw me again. That's a corner. It's crossed in. It's up. He heads it. <laughs> Russia are really synonymous for set pieces from corners. They're more of a on the floor team. <laughs> That's like well, who's that then? That's already right. right. Okay, right. Belgium is Greenall's pink grapefruit. All oh, right. So I was going to say I, I, I would like Russia to go through. So, yeah. so what was so so Belgium? Was the pink one that was a Greenalls? Did you say Greenalls gin, which is a it's a kind of bog, it's bog standard. Uh, it's more your high street gin, yeah, gin yeah, yeah. your high street gin. Now. But this uh, this Russia is uh, it's a lone wolf gin. Now I've never seen this before till I found this in uh, Tesco's the other day. Right, and that is something special. It is, isn't it? That's it really is. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is great. So uh, who, who's? Oh, it's got to be Russia. Russia with Belgium is out. But you know, good fist of it, Belgium. Yeah, well, that was so good try. Nice. So Russia is through. So the finals, the semi-finals, are all sorted. Right. We've got Which Argentina, is? Brazil, Germany, Russia. In, in that in that order. That's going to be the semi. Brazil and Germany. Do you know what? If that was the World Cup semi-finals, they'll be great games. Yeah. Well, hey, perhaps Jin is predicting how it's going. Oh, to go. This is the friend of the octopus method. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gin method. So, right, we'll be back with your first semi final. Gin news headlines today. Stills are alive with the sound of tourists. Secret gin garden opens its doors. Calamity train leaves punters far from chuffed. And Yabba Dabba Doubles, prehistoric gin created in Scotland. Stills are alive with the sound of tourists. Edinburgh Gin Distillery launches the UK's first working gin botanical garden. Mm. Yeah, it's the old Curiosity Distillery that we uh, sampled way back when. 
the colour changing gin. That was an absolutely fantastic gin. We had the uh, lavender and echinacea flavour gin, which was absolutely exquisite. It was beautiful, wasn't it? I really enjoyed that. And uh, you can go to where they get all of their botanicals from. They've got 7.5 acres. Yeah, I remember this from when we did the tasting. So they are gardeners, so they grow and pick all of the... The tent, I had the tent of their own herb garden, which is uh, yeah. instead of ordering it in, but it's all theirs, you know exactly what's in it. 500 herbs there is in this garden. 500 herbs in the garden, And a wow. thousand juniper bushes. Imagine how much vodka they would make better Yeah. with all of that. Yeah, doing the world a favour. And last week we talked about the fact that in Britain we could face a juniper shortage if exports are cut. So, um, you know, they maybe hold the... The key to the future of, of gin making. Yep, right. perhaps, perhaps we all need to plant a juniper bush or suffer the consequences. Yeah, okay, so we can go and uh, visit this um, this garden. And now that's open That's open as of now, is 26th it? 26th. 26th of June that opens and you go for a walk. Almost like having a walk through your favourite drink. Sounds amazing. Oh, congratulations, old curiosity. Great yep. gin. And this sounds amazing. They're bringing out two special limited edition gins in uh, in association with that as well. Geranium and Mallow and Damascus Rose. Rose, that sounds nice. Yes, it'll be a Turkish delight for my tastes. You say that, but you don't like lavender and you don't like echinacea and you love their lavender and echinacea gin. Mm -hmm. So there Perhaps you go. I'm a fool to myself and I don't know what I like. You need to give it a try. Calamity Train leaves punters less than chuffed. Mm. Well, a company named Railway Events organised a gin train tour. Sounds like fun. Sounds like a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> on any train I get on. Yeah. God, I hate the trains. Uh, but this one, a delightful train trip, mm -hmm. 45 miles on the train, sampling local gins as you go through Norfolk. Sounds delightful. Sounds amazing. It does sound amazing, doesn't it? I wouldn't mind to go that. However. Uh-oh, what's happened? Not happy. It wasn't as advertised. No tonic. You had to pay £10 extra excess on top to get tonic, what? apparently. Herded like cattle. Oh Windows didn't open. Too many people on board. Oh. So basically, again, just a Friday on the train, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like get, getting from uh, from Durham to Newcastle yeah. on a Friday night. Now, I would forgive most of this, but another thing that they did. Short measures. What? Short measures. No, forget it. Not even... No. Oh, God. No. How, the humanity. Oh, so did people get their money back or what? No, they didn't. Uh, uh, railway events have just said, oh, we took on board all the complaints and we've, uh, we're doing better now. Oh, for next time. Yeah. Right. So they might be doing all right now. Okay, well, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt for next time. But yeah. if they short measures again... Yeah, any more short measures and uh, we'll t we'll, we, we will work tirelessly to take you and your organisation down. Do you understand? Do you understand real way events? And by that we mean we'll write you a passive-aggressive tweet. Yes. <laughs> Perhaps, if we can be bothered. Yeah. Now then. Yabba Dabba Doubles, prehistoric gin created in Scotland. There's a couple of companies teamed up to make a gin that's inspired by the prehistoric landscape of Caithness. Oh. Okay, so is, it, is there like dinosaur bone in it? Yes, it's raptor cocktail parties. <laughs> Gin, it finds a way. <laughs> no, that that isn't true. What so the... we've talked about the fact in a, in episode one, I think that juniper is one of the oldest ingredients. Uh, you know, in terms of how long how we've long been, been consuming yep. it yep. for, it was being consumed in prehistoric times. So there's already a prehistoric element there. But what what is it that makes this specifically prehistoric? Well, Dunnett Beer Distilleries has developed a limited edition. Uh, gin with the archaeological charity Caithness Brock Project. It's the distillery that makes Rock Rose Gin. Oh. And because they've teamed up with the Caithness Brock Project, they've called it Brock Rose Gin. Clever. Almost as good as our punny headlines. Yes. Not quite though. Back off. We'll do the gin puns. Proceeds go to support the charity. A gin is described as a more floral gin. Oh, okay. With notes of heather and gorse. It makes use of the plant remains found on the sites of monumental dry stone built roundhouses. Ah, right. So they've they've found all these sort of fossilised botanicals, I guess, and they've used them as inspiration for the ingredients for this new gin. Yes, because they certainly aren't using the ones they found. No, they'd be a bit dusty yes, by now. Yes, they would be like using pressed flowers. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, and there was also uh, botanicals found in a Bronze Age beaker near the funeral, uh, the burial 
chamber of a young woman in Caithness as well. I'll tell you what I would do if I was uh, marketing this, and you can you can have this one. Just uh, you know, can remember when we got that we found that gin in the little duffel coat. Yes. Maybe we should put it in like a Fred Flintstone like little uh, leopard skin like bodysuit. Like a toga. Like a toga thing. Yeah. yeah. So if you're listening, you can have that one. I wouldn't be gimmicky at all. No, not, no? not at all. It would be definitely kept within the respectable limits of the way archaeologists go about. Yes, exactly. Yes. So that's, uh, that's this week's Gin News. What a dark, twisty and turny episode that was. Yeah, but I think it was triumphant because not only did we clear Jin's name. Ginnocent. Ginnocent. The Ginnocent shall walk free. Yes, uh, we have definitely debunked the idea that Jin is solely responsible for some of the most heinous crimes in Mm -hmm. history. Um, But we also, I think, converted a whiskey drinker to good gin tonight and not only gin but tinned gin yeah and if he likes that imagine a good small batch i think we'll 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 get them over converted over properly yeah so i think next time we see gav we'll take along a bottle of poetic license northern dry we'll take some of that yes we'll take some of that the conversion will be complete and a bit of gin marie oh right that's what we'll do yeah so uh, do join us again next week for more gin news yes. and the semi-finals of the Tin Gin World Cup. Oh, who's going to win? Ha, 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 ha. Gin. gin. Mother's Room Podcast was written and performed by Matthew Reed and Sarah Dunley. Theme tune written and performed by Holly Jazz Kotsier.